0: Um, And welcome back to the Chaluminati Podcast, episode 97. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin. joined by my two co-hosts, Alex Fasciane and Jesse Cox. Bop, Hello, bob. boys. Bop, Yo. Bop. bop, bop. I don't bop, even, even how <laughs> to bippity I'm bop. Bippity boo. You I'm, just got to picture I'm, me
1: sliding in like Kramer. Bop, bop, bop. Just, What's up? <laughs>
0: Do we I like, like it? Uh, this is a deep cut that not, uh, not all listeners are going to get. I don't know how deep it is, but aren't am I supposed to call you like Tombgist now? People keep telling me. Get oh, Tombgist! Tomb-gis. Yes,
2: that's that's
1: that's out of here, dude. Don't. I'm, I'm so, so glad tomb-gis. this is just you. Just have to hear me in this,
2: and never see and never see me. <laughs> From I'm now so glad. on, just imagine <laughs> that Alex is made of junk food, and he has like a hamburger nose and Cheetos it looks for a beard. Like if the
1: swamp thing like was made out of a dumpster in the back of a mcdonald's like it looks like <laughs> Wait, what it looks like shit man he Too much looks good like stuff sh- his arms Ooh, are like this. fucking big ass cups it sucks all right we've lost at least his half of our audience a here, donut. So it audience gotta bring it back we gotta bring it
0: back uh thank you guys so much for for listening we're excited to bring in the next episode but before we do uh just uh Alex, rather, people have suggested. Okay, oh, you're about to make clear, me do a thing, nah? No, yeah, no. This isn't your, This is an Alex this thing. This is my burden to bear. This is your burden to bear. But like, I like the name of the segment. Can just simply be called the Shill Illuminati. Shill suggested multiple times now on the Reddit this week. Well, that that a We're
2: not
3: shilling. Well, the Illuminati
1: is a very private organization. I'm not shilling. That's the thing, no. you know, it, it, the Chiluminati, it's a little bit more exclusive. They don't have a public mm. facing podcast. It's just for members. Uh, <laughs> it's similar, similar show, uh, but they don't growth. have weekly episodes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, They don't have good like monthly art. They don't get pre-sale on stuff. They don't get access to a discord like our incredible Patreon, which you can go to a patreon.com slash pod. It's it's I look I hesitate to call it a wonderland, but I don't know why you know because it what? really is. Yeah, so why, why had, would you
0: hold back? Why I, would you hold I don't back know. on the truth?
1: It's I think it's just my you know quiet demure nature, but I you know what? Fuck it! It's a wonderland. Patreon dot com slash Chiluminati Pod. <laughs>
0: It's go a wonderland. Go give us your money and join the wonderland, dude. <laughs> Come join the wonderland with your cat. Get on, get on in there and find out what I'm, what I mean by that. And then after you do so, go buy a uniform over at the slash collection slash illuminati. We've got okay, t shirts, sh- posters. Okay. The Jeff the Mongoose t shirt isn't that shit great? The, the Jeff shirt is awesome. The long sleeve is awesome. Sick. That's like a whole. Like if you
1: love the X Files opening credits, that's your shirt. You know it's what I so mean? Good.
0: And then look at the moth. Look at the moth pin. The Mothman pin. He's so adorable. Mothman. Go grab it. The Mothman pin. Mothman. He's, a, he's a cute boy. He can be like our uh, mascot. Have you seen him, Jesse?
2: Uh, I have. I'm sorry. I was busy thinking about Wonderland and what <laughs> creatures we would be if we were in Wonderland. And obviously, uh, Alex is a dormouse. I'm a dormouse. Oh, wow. You're, you're okay. the dormouse. Obviously. I would say
1: that's actually like, you're the first person in like, Ten years who hasn't been like, you know who you remind me of? That fucking stoned ass goofy caterpillar? ass caterpillar. No, <laughs> no, no. no yeah, you're, door mouse. you're the okay. dormouse.
2: You're the dormouse. I'll take uh, that. Mathis is the Jabberwocky. Easy, <laughs> easy Jabberwocky. Easy. That's fine. I'm Clean cool beans. with that. Yeah, yeah. And who are and you? you? Me. I've always felt that I was one of those oysters. You know what I'm saying? The sad little oysters. <laughs> yeah, the sad little <laughs> the oysters. Nice... The trusting little baby oysters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. That's what I've thought about myself. <laughs> Devoured yeah. by a giant walrus. Yeah. That or uh, who's the guy who hangs out with the walrus? The carpenter. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'm a carpenter. <laughs> well, that or uh, the rabbit, one of the two. I you know. I could be anyone. I could be anyone. You, yeah, you're multifaceted, Jesse. But Mathis is definitely the animals. Jabberwocky, 100%. It's okay, no, right, no, right, no, right. no, no snatch it, or whatever it, the hell the Jabberwocky does. Uh, the sh- bandersnatch, sh- one, of that, <laughs> one of those damn things. To All this right, AMPM slash, slash
0: snatch your attention. And we've got to shift wow. gears right here because it's time for part two, boys, of uh, the final part of the Betty and Barney Hill story. If you don't recall, when last we left the hills, they had just experienced a weird UFO occurrence followed by a chunk of missing time. They saw a strange upward falling star in the distance that danced and moved like a paddle ball. It would dip below the tree line and above it, seemingly following them before briefly disappearing and then swooping directly in front of their car, forcing them to turn off the main highway onto a dirt road, attempting to escape whatever this large orange ball of light was. Whatever immediately followed, or rather what immediately followed, was a series of intense buzzing, which is where their memories begin to black out, only to be regained again with another series of intense buzzing on the car. After they made it home, and out of their clothing, which was all scuffed and ripped and dirty, they had realized two hours of time had suddenly disappeared, where once they were supposed to arrive at 5, uh, 3.30 in the morning, they ended up arriving at 5.30. The following days were filled with confusion, bizarre experiments on the car, and discussion with, uh, discussions with Betty's family, a physicist, and long discussions with Pease Air Force Base and Project Blue Book directly in the days that
1: followed. wait. wait what what going
0: on with the car? Experiments? Yeah, remember they brought the compass outside? Oh, and they right, were okay, like, yeah, 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 little, yeah. Little, like, magnetic experiments that had the needle all spinning and stuff. Yes. All of this in the fruitless search and hope that they would find answers and figure out what happened in that two-hour chunk of time. And by the end of 1961, the Hills had been no closer to an answer than they were the day after they had gotten home on just how to remember what happened during that gap of time. <clears throat> All the while, Barney couldn't help but feel like something had happened to his genitals. But when he inspected them, <laughs> Isn't that he that just found, the way? Yeah, it's just how it happens. There, I feel something. Any, <laughs> something feels weird Something's about wrong. my nuts. I'm, I'm going to go to the doctor. <laughs> but he never, ever found any physical evidence for that first almost year or so of anything having happened at all until the end of, the 19, uh, of 1961, where wart like growths grew in a circle around the front. Of his genitals. Wait,
2: so it took time for this to happen? Yeah, it did not show
0: up right away. It took
2: months. It took months now, for it to all show. All right, up. we need to ask this question. I got to be the one. When you say in a circular pattern around his genitals, mm-hmm. we talking like on the ding dong, or
0: like where are the we talking? Ding-dong. So on it's the like ding dong, not, not the in balls, a circle the dick itself, around the, the circumference. Front. Yep, around the circle. Around the circle. Around the in a circle, around the tip, like up toward the front. Uh-huh. In a circle?
2: But, in a perfect
1: if you were circle, cutting a zucchini yeah, so, in half,
0: would you throw this part away? I don't I haven't cooked a zucchini, so what okay, part of the zucchini right. I don't do want to trouble you up. Yes,
2: you would cut this part away. You would toss now, it. Now here's my goodbye. question. Yeah. Were the bumps like they were, we'll get to them. because they, t- syne- they were synergy? Like, not were, a synergy, a, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking like? at? What, what is the word I'm looking <laughs> I don't know. You're what, like a face. A symphony. Like, no, like one half of the face is... A symmetry. Uh,
0: symmetry. Thank you. Uh, they were not perfectly symmetrical, as far as my understanding. But, but there were concerned. multiple little bumps in a perfect circle. Multiple, and they were removed and tested, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But they like, it, it was, was like a perfect circle. It's was a, a circle, yes, around, yes, correct. It was a circle around the dick, but it was not... I, uh, th- I mean there was no look, m- mention rather in the research
2: to families but this is important I need to know it, this because there was no like, mention it of it does being changed if this symmetrical. is you know it a little std ish or if it's aliens you know well, what i'm saying was, magical we'll, we'll, yeah
0: well we're gonna get to, we'll get to that i know I, I, I will we i promise you we'll answer that question it's if so you crazy tell me in the there. end
2: that this man got like an std and that's what this was i'll be real upset <laughs> i'll be real pissed off at all of ufology i'll be so mad
0: it two episodes to just be
2: like i'm gonna be like, std how dare you
1: <laughs> no uh it's so crazy because up until this detail of the story I can imagine, like, with perfect cinema visuals, like, everything that happened. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like we say, you know, it's a very influential UFO story. And because of that, like, all the imagery that's out there, like, in movies and TV, it, like, helps me imagine, like, this whole story perfectly. And then it's like, and then he grew a perfect circle of warts around his dick months later. And you're (laughs)
0: like, huh? What? What? Unfortunately, and we'll talk, we're going to get to it, Barney, out of the two of them, Barney had the worst of the experiences in terms of his abduction and the health effects that ended up happening afterward. This kind of wart-like situation kind of begins Barney's approximate eight-year health tumble that eventually ends with Barney's passing. As the years continued, Barney uh, begins to suffer from intense headaches, insomnia, high blood pressure, and an ulcer that would not respond to traditional treatment. As for the gross that he had, at first, the doctor had assumed it was venereal warts. How after, However, rather, after they were removed and looked at, it was determined that this is not what they were. They were actually unsure as to what caused them or what they were, but they were benign and simply removed for cosmetic purposes. All the while, Barney struggled with his new job and commute and the constant concern of their story getting out and ruining their reputation. To top it off, as the months turned into years and the Hill's search for help continued... Betty began to have horrible nightmares, waking up screaming and shouting in her sleep, crying and confused. According to Betty, the dream itself was reoccurring, but always disjointed. Some nights the nightmares would be taking place aboard a mysterious craft as beings forced experiments upon her, while other times the nightmare took place in their car as they were taken away, but rarely in a sequence that made sense. They eventually would book an appointment with a psychiatrist in March of 1962 by the name of Patrick Quirk, who, upon hearing their story, simply said the pair should just wait it out and hope the memories are turned on their own. By 1963, Barney's health had deteriorated to such a degree that he had to take a three-month leave of, uh, uh, of absence from work. When he was brought to the doctor, they could find nothing wrong whatsoever and were convinced that his sicknesses were just psychosomatic. Yet, yet, no, uh, no matter how much that they uh, treated his ulcers, they would not close, continually causing him pain. And yet, they continued to search for answers for that missing time, all the while hoping it would come one day. And they would nearly four years after the event took place when they actually when they were referred to a doctor, Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist who specialized in hypnosis. They first consulted with Dr. Simon on December 14th, 1963, and even though the doctor was skeptical about the existence of UFOs, he took on the hills because he believed that whatever had happened, breaking through to it would at the very least help with Barney's health. Dr. Simon's history as a psychiatrist and, and with hypnosis was actually in, uh, completely in, uh, entrenched in helping returning soldiers combat their PTSD, and his results had been good where he was able to effectively help alleviate the symptoms of the PTSD that his uh, patients were experiencing. Can I ask
1: so, like, the, what the, like, current thoughts are on this? Do we have, like... Yeah, we're
0: going we're gonna to cover hypnosis here in okay, a little okay. bit and just talk about, like, what it scientifically does, percent, you know, that kind of thing. So with a doctor in hand and some hope for finding answers, the Hills began their three weeks of initial conditioning, where Dr. Simon would slowly bring them further and further into deeper and deeper trance-like states. easing easing them into the process before even touching the traumatic events that occurred. While Betty and Barney were both able to be placed into hypnotic trances, it's important to note that Betty's was noticeably less deep than Barney's. So here's where we're going to actually talk a little bit about what hypnosis is, what it is, what it isn't, what it can do, and what you should take from anybody who goes to hypnosis for therapy. So first of all, let's be clear. This podcast is not a science podcast. In case you boys weren't aware, Uh, we don't do science stuff um you're and saying if not, those you,
1: lo- those pies yeah. aren't actually the best pies i mean will we get a
0: lake city quiet pill if we don't say we the did a whole episode pies?
2: about a talking mongoose so
0: scientifically research just talking you know, mongoose. just reminding everyone i, looked, I, I it, read
2: yeah. the articles
1: <laughs> on the internet right. that read, I, that exactly. i stole it from
0: yeah um, but <laughs> no, with that out there, that disclaimer, I'm going to do my best to say in like layman's terms what hypnosis does and what it's good for, as I imagine there are a ton of misconceptions out there about what hypnosis actually is.
2: Question. First, Question. Yes. yes. Can I use it to make someone fall in love with me? Like some sort of erotic fiction? No, no,
1: no, no. no. Okay. Not at all. That's not, exa- not at all how it Through works. <laughs>
2: Pornhub. <laughs> like no, you it, it, yeah, through, through like the yeah like in the comment section i'm just saying uh you know uh, i've been given hope and that's not the case you can't trick someone into loving you no is that unfortunate
0: what i know i just you lie all the all the lies out there we're gonna dash them, jesse so you can find love with truth on your side and not having to mind control somebody
2: oh man here i was <laughs> all these years of hypnotic courses <laughs> How much did did you spend
1: a lot of money on that?
0: I mean, a lot is a relative term. Okay. Like, right. How much is a lot when you're searching for love? Yeah, in when, the end? I don't want to know. It's going to depress me. Like I don't want to know how much it is. What? <laughs> it's going to depress me no That's matter what the That's where all Illuminati money goes, by the way. That's where
2: all Illuminati money goes. Thanks for your support. It's all been funneled into me learning <laughs> hypnosis. I have not. I'm so sorry. I did. <laughs> and a guy never with attended. like
1: paper curtains on Venice Boulevard.
2: The guy in Santa Monica with a snake wrapped around him on the pier linens he has a yeah, big ass brooch size me yeah. but it's yeah it's weird
0: <laughs> well uh th- we're, we'll talk about that misconception in a second but the first thing <laughs> i want to address is that hypnotherapy is a bunch of bullshit and doesn't work at all this is incorrect it does work hypnotherapy has helped countless people from simple things like adjusting behavior for a habit they didn't like like trying to quit smoking that's i from, know a couple people who've who've done that yeah has it worked
1: for them uh one person really like a hundred percent it worked and for another person they ended up smoking again Yep,
0: yeah, makes sense what, uh, i mean i mean do
2: they tell you about what factors i mean do they just come out of it like i no longer require cigarettes like what what happened
0: i don't really asking, know yeah i don't think Alex knows. those i no. imagine it's over the course of many weeks and months con- con- continual subtle conditioning suggestibility that you know when and then so like building a bad behavior like when you pick up a cigarette you kind of get like the sick feeling maybe they just weren't you know, into
2: smoking to begin with and they don't lady. like you know maybe they were like poser smokers
0: if any if anybody listeners have have like experience with hypnotherapy please throw your experience up on the subway I would or something love i'd to love know. to know
2: yeah i know nothing about it at all truly and like
0: i only know what i read on science and science articles and shit so it's yeah, all
2: conceptually just, it seems wild but yes.
1: I do know that for some people it does work. So there, I feel brains, like there has to be something to it.
0: Brains are weird,
2: man. The, the problem, problem is, it boils is that down to you know most hip, hypnotizers, <laughs> hypnotists, <laughs> hypnotists. Thank you. The, the problem is most
0: Hypnotherapists. The
2: problem is most mind masters. Mesmer lords. <laughs> <laughs> they'll tell you that you have to be willing to like let yourself be hypnotized. Yes. Which to me is always the first like, where well, is this real? Like when you have to say something like that, that's why I'm like, I I hear people it works for. I'm like, how? I
0: don't. I just don't get it. Not a lot of people can actually can it work? Well, there's actually I have a number for you here in a minute on how many people can in general speaking can actually are are suggestible like that. Sure. Um, Unfortunately, though, Jesse, as this next kind of topic, hypnosis is not mind control. At no point is the person undergoing hypnotherapy being mind-wiped or made some sort of Manchurian candidate.
1: <laughs> Even, <laughs> the <more> th-
0: <laughs> Even the more theatrical hypnosis tricks like making someone like a food they don't normally like uh, ends up wearing out usually within a few hours. So what it you're, is so what you're deep-
2: saying is the the class that's probably listening to this episode. It's not it's not what I said earlier. Right. Your correct. teacher, thank them for inviting you to listen to this episode.
0: <laughs> we are now uh, an educational podcast.
2: Hey, thanks. Yeah, we've been. We're now educational, and I've ruined that for everyone.
0: <laughs> hey, if <laughs> it, it was fifteen um, years ago, the government would be partially funding this podcast. That's, <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> um, yeah. So m- hypnosis is not mind control. It is a state of deep suggestion, and each person is not at all affected by hypnosis the same as any other person. In fact, only approximately about 30% of the population on Earth is is suggestible in hypnosis enough for for it to even be performed on them in this level. And even within that 30%, the degree at which some can be brought into a trance-like state varies, as we'll see when, like, Betty and Barney. They are both suggestible, but Barney is much more suggestible than Betty ended up being. However, hypnosis doesn't immediately also bring out truth. For instance, you can't take a criminal who refuses to tell the truth throw them into a hypnosis chamber and bring out the truth with hypnosis and use it as evidence in court. What hypnosis does is bring out what the person perceives to be the truth. While Betty and Barney may have well and truly had an otherworldly experience, it is also possible that they encountered some form of government testing or abduction in that case, as we discussed last episode. But the brain does wild things when it experiences trauma, And the brain chemistry physically changes when a human being is put through intense trauma. So if they were betrayed or abused by our own government that night, their minds may have changed to aliens for some reason or another. The brain maybe just accepted it easier for them. Mm. And if they weren't going to be allowed to forget, then the brain automatically would would register and change the people into these alien-like creatures. I'm not saying that this is what happened. A lot of things don't line up for that to necessarily be the case, but you get the idea. This is what tr- what hypnosis does would bring forward the idea to them. Um, the aliens were real. And so that's the memory you get when put under hypnosis. Moreover, it's also pretty easy to generate fake memories while under hypnotherapy if the hypnotherapist isn't being careful. And this is why you always want to go with a professional. When in an easily suggestible state, you want your questions and directions to be clear, concise, and as neutral as possible. Anything other than that can lead and sort of taint the questions and answers, leading to answers that might make sense under the context of the question. For example, if Betty said something like, they came to our car, the therapist might want to say, what happens next? As opposed to, what do the people do next? One simply urges you to move forward with information, while the other implies that the figures did do something next And so she might make up what they those things ended up doing. If they do, you understand the example I'm kind of giving here? Sure.
1: Yeah. It's like very like just sort of like you're almost like
0: acting. You're yeah. You're guiding them. You don't want to push them in a direction or direct them. Yeah, being like a director and being like I want you to tell me what the people did next. You gotta let them do their own thing.
1: It's kind of like a improv
0: exercise. In a way. Yeah. So going into hypnotherapy sessions, it's just important to kind of keep all that in mind when it comes to what hypnosis and hypnotherapy actually does. After three weeks of preparation, beginning on February 22nd, 1964, Dr. Simon began doing individual hypnotic regressions with the Hills, keeping them separate. So they would not taint one another's sessions themselves. The sessions lasted uh, were, were once a week over the course of six months And by the end, Dr. Simon had concluded that while he still wasn't sure if what they experienced was truly otherworldly in nature, he was certain that they both truly believed it to be true. What I'm going to do is take the event and retell it from the moment of the buzzing on the car and put it in chronological order. But it's important to note that as they were going through this in therapy, this did not come out in chronological order. Events would come forth before others over the course of the six months until the whole picture had been formed.
1: And this is all based on hypnotic regression? Uh, but yeah, both of their accounts
0: over okay. the course of multiple. And you can actually go listen to most of it online. The whole thing isn't made, on lo- uh, made available online, but you can get the transcript of the whole thing if you wanted to uh, pretty easily nowadays. It's a uh, um, little harrowing at points. It's very harrowing. We got a couple more clips we'll be playing this episode of Ben. i excited this for this. I'm excited for uh, this. So, yeah. So... And and I just want to reiterate, I feel bad for Barney during all this. Dude got shafted in this abduction. If this is like just to take the story at its face value, poor Barney had a bad time, dude. Barney compared to Betty, especially sounds. It really sounds like he did. (laughs) It's it's a great. It's 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 miserable, but it's it's kind of funny at some point. So here's what happened next, according to. So as Barney turned off the highway onto the dirt road, which is where we're going to pick up, the car was hit with that intense vibrations, and that's when their conscious memory fades. So here's what happened next, according to Barney in one of his therapy sessions. Quote, I made a turn and I never knew this. I don't know why I had to make that turn. I was lost. I saw I was on a strange area of highway and I had never been there before. And I was being stopped. I was very uncomfortable. But somehow the eyes were telling me that I should be calm and that I would not be harmed and to relax. And I saw these men coming down the road toward me. So when he talks about his eyes, what Barney's talking about is all the while when he's having these these thoughts of like, don't be violent, behave, like uh, just kind of go along with it. He says he feels the presence of like these eyes pressuring into his own eyes and they kind of like suggesting him to kind of do what he's doing. That's how he turns off the car initially and all this stuff. He feels like he's supposed to. At this point in the session, Dr. Simon asks him if he is certain he didn't dream this or make this up. And Barney replies rather emphatically that this is not a dream and this did happen. With trees on both sides of them, they were stopped by a group of men at the curve of the road they had found themselves on. As Barney brought the vehicle to a stop, the group of men began walking toward them, separating into two groups, flanking both sides of the car. As they approached, Barney tried to start the car and get away. But it's then that he realized that the car was completely dead and refused to start or turn over. Arnie told Betty he thought it was the men from the craft that he saw earlier in the field, remember he saw them through in the binoculars from last episode, which caused Betty to immediately begin weeping. Betty wanted to run and reached for the car door handle, only for the car door to be opened as she grasped, on, grasped onto it by the men who were now immediately outside the car door on both sides. Arnie didn't move, but remembered thinking not to reach for his gun, that if he did so that he would be harmed. His car door then opened as well and he felt eyes get incredibly close to him until he closed his eyes completely and fell into a trance-like state after a little bit of fighting. There were three initially, but eventually six on Barney's side and four on Betty's, with one standing a bit further back observing the whole scenario would play out. And what they saw might ring a few bells for alien aficionados out there. They were small, bald men, no more than five feet tall with a large head and large almond-shaped eyes that went just to the sides of their head. Their eyes were completely black. They had slits for mouths with, t- with a type of membrane that seemed to waggle uh, over their mouth when they spoke to each other in their native uh, <laughs> like language, Zoidberg. whatever that might be. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it kinda, yes. Um, and they had tiny, flat slits for noses. Their bodies had larger-than-average chests with just disproportionate arms and legs. They all wore jumpsuits as well, and they were your mostly classic gray aliens. After the doors opened, they each were put in a slight trance state where it seemed like they were aware of what they were doing, but they had no control over it. Barney, though, like I said, didn't want to go down easy and tried to fight them off when they opened the door. However, the fight didn't last long before he was quickly also put into that trance-like state. Two of the creatures placed their arms around Barney, whose eyes had now been closed, and they pulled him from the vehicle, dragging him forward toward the glowing ship. But only his feet dragged, causing the scuff on his shoes. For small creatures, they had incredible strength, it seemed. Betty had a bit of a better experience coming out of the car, as one of the greys simply placed out his hand, and Betty fell into a small trance, leaving the car willingly and being escorted by the group of figures, not carried away like Barney.
1: This would be... Literally, I can't think of something scarier
0: than that. Yeah, it, it's it's rough. Uh, it's it's all very strange too, and it only gets stranger. As I as they began walking. Can the, I ask you a question? Recall-
2: yes, please. You mentioned something that is driving me crazy. Yes, that the way they described these aliens. Yeah, is familiar to a lot of people because it's like the universal. This is what aliens are like. I'm. <laughs> Is this the first technical alien encounter? I mean, like, like of, with the, this, of the third kind? With this of vibe, this, of this
0: detail, yeah.
2: But, like, like I they think were up in there and they hung out with the aliens. Yeah. Cause, like, I'm curious if this is one of those, like, chicken egg scenarios where the reason we all associate it with it is cause this was the first and everyone else is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're a little tiny gray dudes. And, uh, right? Is that, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I that's exactly,
1: I mean, that's exactly, the question about this case, right? It's like, this is the one, right? Like this is the er case in every way. Like a couple driving around a road, there's a bright light. Something's following them. They like lose time. They like feel extremely violated by these little bald dudes. Like, you know,
0: it's, there's there's other encounters across the world of bizarre kind of alien encounters, but this is the first one. Like, like uh, Alex was saying there, this is the first one that is widely publicized like this in Has this known template going forward? At the very least, the first time this template of an abduction scenario is put on the public stage to this degree. This is like the first time we really see something like this. Interesting.
2: Yeah, I keep thinking like, well, this is unique, but it's no longer unique to us because every abduction scenario almost is like this. And so it was unique back then. Yeah. And so the, this scenario is interesting. Cause it's like, they obviously didn't copy it, but the fact that everyone's like, well, this, like, this is the template for alien abduction. Now I'm just like, everyone else just be copying these two.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it, but it's weird. Like, well, you, you'll see like the the, the, the man, the strangeness that happens is just, it's funny and just bizarre. We'll push on though. Um, as they were walking from their car to the ship, Benny recalled the following. She says, "In this is during one of her regressions, I'm struggling to wake up. I'm at the bottom of a deep well and I got to get out. Everything is black. I'm fighting to become conscious. Slowly and gradually, I start to become conscious. I struggle to open my eyes for a moment and then they close again. I keep fighting. I'm dazed and I have a far away feeling. Then I win the battle and my eyes are opened. I am amazed, end quote. It's interesting that so Betty was able to actually break through more or less this trance like state that they had her. She was kind of conscious the whole time and she's very eagerly trying to fight it. And she's able to break through as before they even make it over to the ship. Meanwhile, Barney uh, is, is not whatsoever. And it's interesting because in, in the, th- in hypnotherapy as well, Betty was just is just harder- thinking
2: that I was just yeah, thinking that
0: correct. Betty is much harder to bring into a deeper trance than Barney. So if there's similar tactics for whatever's happening, I do wonder if Betty's just more of a, a heart, like a harder headed person to kind of put under. Um, from here, she goes on to try and wake Barney up, but he remains completely unresponsive. So I'm actually going to play a clip from one of Betty's hypno sessions where she describes what happens next.
3: Did we keep walking? Did I try to wake Bonnie up again. He said, Bonnie, Bonnie, wake up. And he doesn't. So the man said, he asked me again. He said, is Bonnie his name? Then I wouldn't ask him. So then he says, he says, don't be afraid. You don't have any reason to be afraid. We're not going to harm you but we just want to do some tests and when the tests are over with we'll, we'll take you and body back and put you in your car and you'll be on your way back home in no time
0: and that's that was left it there because she kind of goes on to keep kind of going over that part but So, yeah, she snaps out of it and she keeps calling for Barney to wake up. And there's one of them that seems to be able to speak their language. And he speaks English in a very accent, uh, heavily accented uh, tone. And when she calls for Barney, he continues. He asks, oh, is Barney his name? Is Barney his name? And she refuses to acknowledge it until at the end where she's like, what are we doing? And they told him not to be afraid. So that's what happened after she snapped out of more or less after her little trance there.
2: These guys are liars because then Barney dies. Eight, 8 years, years later no oh, well, 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 well. but he died because you're telling me earlier he got dick circle well, he, and then he died <laughs> but the, well, dicks, he got we eight years of the dick we don't even know after that and
0: then he died i'm just saying <laughs> um,
2: i have lots of thoughts maybe it was just you know <laughs> i think they lied to her i think these aliens are dicks maybe he just might ate, ate a lot of processed foods might have. <laughs> what was
1: that alien? maybe he just ate a lot of processed foods <laughs> It's just that was it. That was the end of his life. You know, like if I got abducted by <laughs> aliens, I might change my dietary habits and not go outside as much.
0: I'm just saying. Yeah, I might be afraid as shit to go outside after that. Yeah, I might be really nervous. Yeah. Regardless, after that walk to the craft, um, they after that short walk they were brought to the craft rather. And the craft itself was an oval metallic vehicle that sat landed on the ground. The rim of the oval ship was tilted slightly down and a ramp extended from that lip down to the ground. At this point, they had gripped Betty due to her actually being awake and actually put up a little bit of a fight to try and break free. But she, uh, she ripped her dress in the process in a small struggle. But as they reached the ship at this point, Betty thought to herself, quote, the heck with it. I don't have any control here. They've already got Barney close to being on board, so I might as well stop fighting and go ahead and behave myself, end quote. And so she stepped aboard the craft with the other figures and Barney was dragged along behind. As the two were quickly separated into different rooms, in Barney's recollection of this, he said the following, quote, I'm out of my car, and I'm going down the road into the woods. There's an orange glow. There's something there. Oh, if only I had my gun. What do they want? The crazy eyes are are with me. They're with me. We go up a ramp. My feet just bumped, and I'm in a corridor. I don't want to go, and I don't know where Betty is. The eyes are telling me to be calm. I'll be calm. I'll be calm. If I'm not harmed, I won't strike out, but I will strike out if I am harmed in any way. I'm numb. I'm numb. I have no feeling in my fingers. My legs are numb. End quote.
1: I do not like the, the eyes. I do not yeah, like no, that at The all.
0: eyes consistently present in his mind, more or less the way they kind of keep him subdued. So the rooms that they were brought into resembled that uh, as they described as a hospital operating room, the bright overhead light gave a faint blue glow and the rooms each had an examining table that they were laid upon and left alone for a little while before the creatures ended up returning. From this point, a sort of typical medical examination takes place for both of them, including a traditional neurological exam that took place with a, what looked to be an EEG without a, an actual tracing ma- machine attached to it. I'm going to go through their individual experiences here because, again, suffice to say, I think Barney got the shaft. We'll start with Betty. After she's brought into her room, Betty's dress and shoes are removed and she is forced to lie on an examination table. The leader, this is something she continually calls them, by the way, the leader is the one that can communicate this with This was them.
1: the guy that was hanging back earlier?
0: Yep, the okay. guy that was talking with them and all that stuff. The leader, the only one that can seemingly communicate in heavily accent in English, begins to scrape her skin and examine her mouth. The skin flakes are taken and placed onto a fine cloth, gently folded, and then taken away. Earwax, hair clippings, and nail clippings are also taken while being reassured that nothing is going to hurt her and that she'll be fine. She is then given a neurological exam before the final examination procedure has to happen. Being told they are checking for pregnancy, they take a long needle with what Betty describes as a wire at the end of it and inserted it directly into her navel. Which end? The needle part into her navel. Had a nail? No, but I mean the nail. Oh, the, t- the other end had a wire okay. at the end of it. I'm going to play... The second Betty clip as she explains this part.
3: And the examiner has a long needle in his hand. And I see the needle. And it's it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple test, it won't hurt me. And I asked him what. And he said, he just wants to put it in my navel. It's just a simple test. And I don't know, it won't hurt. Don't do it. Don't know it. And even though it won't hurt. And he takes a navel into my navel. And he said, i <laughs> after
0: begging them to take the needle out after they placed it in telling them how much it hurts it seemed to finally dawn on the leader that she was in some sort of pain and he simply waved his hand in front of her eyes and all the pain vanished completely at which point they finished their examination and removed the needle betty described the sensation of the needle be- like being stabbed with a knife in the stomach this is where things start to get a little bizarre for Betty, though. It's at this point, the examiner attempts to remove her dress completely, and this is where the zipper ends up ripping. The examiner tried to take the dress off and meddled with the zipper in the back, but clearly was unable to figure out how it worked, tugging at it, pulling at the cloth, trying to pull it apart. So Betty reached behind herself and began to unzip it. Once it was clear how the zipper worked, The creature then reached up and helped her unzip it all the way where they are able to take the dress off. This hyper technical alien creature had been completely baffled by a a zipper on a dress. I mean, did not understand.
1: I kind of like that detail because it kind of like humanizes these guys a little bit. They're all just a bunch of little bald guys, right?
0: Yeah. So you uh, basically, the people about are these uh, little bald people who are not talking to Betty. They're all mumbling to each other. And then one that seems to be the leader that kind of keeping them calm and keeping them under control while discussing things with the others. And then one of the ones that doesn't speak English is trying to like take his dress off. She can, she calls him the examiner just couldn't
1: figure it out. Yeah, It just seems so realistic to me. I don't know. Like it, it makes the whole story more believable to hear that things like that were going on. Cause it just seems like, Something you wouldn't consider in like a normal alien scenario
0: that probably would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's funny as hell to think about the little greys just like tugging at the dress, just being like, can't do, not under able to comprehend they would be how the hell this
3: works.
0: Screwed on prom night, they would be they would be ri- they would be done for. It would be the best date for any father though. Yeah, that's true. It's true. They'd be like. <laughs> So after she takes her dress off, what they end up doing <laughs> is examining her spinal column, seemingly uh, counting the number of vertebrae that go from her her uh, neck down to her uh, down to the bottom. Um, and, and then afterward, that they're they're done with her, and she's left to sit there as the examiner leaves the room. The leader explains to Betty that they can only do one exam at a time, so the examiner headed out to go to Barney's room next, and she is left alone with the leader, where she engages in what can only be described as. Polite conversation. She tells the leader that no one is going to believe this experience and she wants some kind of proof to bring back and show these people that she was indeed aboard this weird alien ship with real actual aliens. The leader at this seems bemused and asks Betty what she would like to take with her as evidence. And so Betty, looking around, grabs a book and asks to keep it. As she opens it, she describes it being written in vertical lines and varying thickness with symbols that she simply did not understand. She asked the leader if she could take this home, being, considering this being proof that uh, nobody could refute, and the leader say, saw no harm and simply agreed to it. All the while, a smaller alien with a rounder head stands outside of her examining room, glaring at her with an unfriendly face the whole while. And when Barney, I mean, and when Betty was eventually brought off the ship, he took the book from her, not allowing her to take the book off the ship
1: he's probably we get to- an unorthodox alien
0: yeah this <laughs> yeah take a book who cares yeah. i can't imagine like out of all the stories we always get not one can i ever think of uh where an aliens like yeah take what you want it's fine you'll be good it seems that seems so much more
1: believable to me like, right. Why would they need to be like, we don't exist. Don't yeah. tell
0: anyone, you know, like but then the mean, the mean, grumpy looking little alien boy said no. And said, and took it away.
1: Maybe the smaller Before, they are, the more uh, distinguished they are. Maybe that's part of their culture.
0: That's it. The, the shorter, the higher in, in the power rankings. Yeah, maybe that go. was his
1: dad out there.
3: That was his dad.
1: That was the, that was the leader's that dad. Was him letting him, just... He was letting his son try like one,
0: like one interrogation. <laughs> right, like one your English catch is pretty, pretty good. Release. Yeah. Like or going fishing. He's taking his boy human fishing. Yeah. <laughs> just like, one catch and release. He's like, But no. uh, Before he left the ship, though, uh, Betty's curiosity in that room with the leader continued, inquiring the leader about his home planet. He asks in return if she knows anything about the universe, in which Betty replied some basics, but really not much else. He walks her over to a nearby wall and pulls forth from a tube an oblong map with lots of white dots with lines connecting them, some of the lines solid and some of the lines dashed and dotted. Think of it, the, the thing that that's best to compare it to in my mind, Jesse, think of the, and, and Alex, if, if you're familiar with it, the Star Wars tabletop RPG, you know, the galaxy map yeah. and all the trade routes and like shit hyper-space with the lanes. dotted lines That's and exactly what I was going to say, yeah. Exactly like that. He explains that what? all the dots.
2: All right, I'm to be me. Quiet. I have so many. Yeah. I have so many things that I'm like, wait, why? All right. Okay.
0: He explains that all the different dots are different stars in the universe. And Betty asked what all the lines were. And the leader explains that the solid lines are trade routes and the dotted lines are expeditions. Betty then asked the leader where he was from on the map and he returned, asked her if she knew where Earth was on the map, at which point she said no and was unable to point it out. He then answered that it would be pointless to point out where he was from on the map as she had no idea even where they were on the map now. Makes sense. And then he and then he put the map away and and that was the end of the discussion. While they were all talking, though, as the map is getting put away, a group of grays come in all excited, mumming and humming to each other. Uh, and what Betty and Barney both described as a weird noise that came out of their mouth. And that's when they noticed the membrane. When they made these particular noises, like a membrane in their mouth would flap back and forth. Okay. These, new, these grays come back in the room with Betty and the leader and they shuffle over to Betty and quickly begin to examine Betty's teeth without saying a word. Betty, obviously confused, looks over to the leader as to what's happening, and he simply explains that they are very confused. In the other room, Barney's teeth, uh, he had been examined the whole time and his teeth came out because he had dentures. And huh. they were unsure why his teeth came out, but hers did not. So they were just in there trying to pull at her teeth and just being like, me, me. Like, do these come out? Nope. And, and they were just completely baffled by what dentures were. She then explains uh when he when asked. When the leader then asked why his teeth came out and hers didn't, she explained that it was because of old age. And the leader then followed up with asking what age is. As he, she does her best to explain that as time goes, they get older and eventually they pass, the leader then uh, answers that they have no concept of age and time. There is no death for them in that way. He was also confused about the color yellow, as she was bringing up uh, her favorite color because he asked, or no, uh, he was bringing up the color. She was bringing up the color of her favorite vegetable because he uh, asked about vegetables as well. And she was trying to explain what vegetables were. And so it led into the idea of like, what is yellow? What is vegetables? They had no, they didn't have any understanding of what these foods were and certain colors were, which is a bizarre note because their ship did make yellow lights and orange lights in the sky. So them not knowing what yellow is, maybe it's a miscommunication. It's very another very bizarre point between Betty and the leader. But this confusion uh, as to what the color yellow is, when their ship also kind of made that light, is kind of bizarre.
1: These details only underline the reality of the story for me. They are so wackadoodoo crazy.
3: It's <laughs> like an improv fucking- scene
1: about being in space, and I'm like, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> it's really a
0: great improv scene.
1: What are vegetables? After Barney- I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yellow.
3: What is
0: yellow? <laughs> um, afterward, Barney's examination finished up. They are led back to the car. A member of the crew took the book from her, as I stated earlier, and the leader informed her that she and Barney would not be allowed to remember the encounter. When Betty rebuked this notion, the, re- the leader replied, quote, maybe you will remember. I don't know. I hope you don't, <laughs> but maybe you will. But it won't do you any good if you do, because Barney won't. Barney won't remember a single thing. And not only that, if he should remember anything at all, he's going to remember it differently from you. And all you're going to do is get each other so confused you won't know what's going on. It would be better if you forget it anyway. End quote. The leader escorts Betty and Barney to the car, and the Hills check on Delcie, their dog, who they found curled up in a tight ball under their back seat, then resume their journey home after another series of buzzing sounds. And that's where her abduction story ends. Barney's is a little different. Not massively, but he got a bit of a harder shaft. For one, he didn't have the leader there the whole time. Nobody was there to communicate with him. He was only being influenced through the eyes in his mind to keep him calm. After being taken aboard the ship, Barney is taken down the ship's corridor and into a room he describes as a hospital rating room or a hospital operating room. Barney Barney narrates his exam as the following, and we're just going to put Barney's own words as he, as to what happened to him. Quote I felt my shoes being removed and my pants being opened, Uh, and I could hear a humming-like sound that they seemed to be making. They pulled my pants all the way down to where my legs were. I could feel them turning me over and putting something into my rectum. It was like a tube. It was not painful. I thought it was just a little larger than a pencil. I felt it go in very easily, and then it was withdrawn. They looked at my back as if they were counting my spinal column, much like they did with Betty. I felt something touch right at the base of my spine, like a finger pushing. A single finger. I could only hear this mum 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 mum, mum. and then he in, in the uh, the actual uh, audio. He just goes into this rapid humming noise, and he says, uh, "So this mum-like sound." And then I was turned over again, and my mouth was opened, and I could feel two fingers pulling it back. And then I heard as some men came in, and I could hear them rustling around the left side of the table as I was laying. And oh, something scratched very lightly like a stick on my arm. And these men left and I was left with what I thought were three men, the two that brought me in and the other one that seemed to follow these two men. I could tell that there was more than one person in the room, but only one man seemed to be moving around my body all the time. That's the end of his uh, recollection of that point. Later, Barney recounted that the examiner also checked his ears, adding that the examiner seemed particularly interested in Barney's bone structure. Barney explains that something was placed around his genitals and that he felt a tug or a pressure or something. But he did not achieve erection, nor did he get to ejaculate. So it was just something tugging and pulling on his dick the whole time.
1: He thinks it was like a try at getting him to.
0: We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea what it was. Yes, would be my guess. But that's just because I'm using other abduction scenarios as like a to fill in for what I assume is happening. But it was in this area that the concentric ring of warts appeared. During the time of reliving the examination, the growths actually became inflamed, and that's why they initially had to be removed. Because as he was going through in the regression of the examination, his warts were just getting worse. What? They got inflamed via the regression hypnosis. Yeah, like well, over the course of a few weeks and going through it. But yeah, over the course of a few weeks. The growths were removed for more cosmetic purposes than as a medical necessity. And after the medical exam is complete, he then too is escorted back to the car where he accidentally sits on his gun and checks on Delsey. He waits for Betty to enter the car, and when she does, they watch the UFO become a glowing orange ball and fly off. Barney negotiates the, uh, negotiates the bend in the road and heads back to Route 3. They hear the rhythmic buzzing sounds again, and the missing time reconnects with conscious memory. So if we are to believe, if we take it all at face value, boys, that is what occurred during that two-hour chunk of time that they were missing after their car got stopped.
1: Wow. I mean, that is, uh, it's like a template, like a perfect yeah. template
0: with weirdness involved and funny, bizarre aliens, not understanding earth stuff involved and all the things you would think kind of go along with it with the added kind of twist of Betty's bizarre light, like brunch talk. I love, like I the, love the
1: idea of them being like alone in the room, like,
0: so, uh,
1: what do you got? <laughs> veggies, you what's a vegetable?
0: What the hell is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's great. It's so weird. So that, uh, so that was in 1964 after, after they finally, over the course of six months, were able to kind of put this together and ha- and find this piece. Barney truly seemed like he found peace in some regard. And while Dr. Simon at the end did not necessarily believe that they, this is exactly what happened. He was happy to see that it seemed to have at least have a positive effect on their lives after six months of trekking to and from dr simon's office and despite still having lingering questions betty and barney were feeling better they threw themselves into their social and political agendas and they promoted civil rights and fought to uh, end discrimination through their civil work this is all post-hypnosis life at this point through their civil work with the unitarian church the Hills were made envoys to the United Nations. <laughs> Barney made several speeches across the, Inst- the Eastern seaboard for the NAACP and was a frequent guest speaker at the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. No shit. Betty Betty threw herself into work for the Democratic Party in the 1964 election. And because of their tireless work, the Hills were invited guests at Lyndon B. Johnson's inaugural ceremonies. What Barney the was given- fuck? <laughs> yeah, man. Barney was given some very prestigious positions due to his endless work with civil rights. In May of 1965, he was appointed to the New Hampshire State Advisory Committee to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights for a term ending on the 31st of December, 1966. And in July, 1965, he was nominated to the Human Rights Commission for the state of New Hampshire. Suffice to say, things started turning around. Unfortunately, it wouldn't last. In August of 1965, The Hills received a phone call from their friend, Adele Dara, saying that a reporter by the name of John Luttrell wanted to interview them concerning their abduction. The word of their story had gotten out since they had spoken to so many people about it, and now an actual article was going to be written about them. Betty and Barney Hill declined the interview, simply wanting to put the whole thing behind them. Luttrell called Barney, revealing that he knew personal facts about their lives and requested an appointment to discuss with them. Again, they denied. And Betty was afraid if their abduction story got out, then she might lose her job. At the time, which was a child welfare worker at this particular point. And they found out later that despite de- denying them, Littrell had still gone to their house while they were out and sat on their porch for over half of an uh, for over an hour and a half until eventually he left and got frustrated. Literal continued to pester the Hills, going through their friends to glean more information. Basically, playing telephone with anybody who might have heard anything from the Hills in terms of their story. And in response, Barney got in t- contact with two lawyers in an attempt to force a cease and desist. Unfortunately, he was informed that so long as his medical confidentiality isn't violated, that he had no legal recourse to stop Literal from digging into their lives. That is insane. Yeah, it sucks. Literal went behind the hill's back and interviewed friends about the hypnosis. He actually acquired a copy of the Blue Book file and managed to get a copy of Walter Webb's final report on the situation without Webb's knowledge. Now, keep in mind, the the project Blue Book file, it says it's a scam. It said it was a hoax and that it was the tracking light. Remember that we talked about last time. So that's like the information he's getting uh, from these side things. Armed with all of this, Luttrell felt he had more than enough to go ahead and write the article with or without the Hills interview, despite repeatedly failing to get in touch with them. And on Monday, October 25th, 1965, the Hills' worst fears were realized. They were inundated with international, uh, international phone calls asking questions about the article in the Boston traveler named the UFO chiller. Did they, did they seize the couple? Reporters and civilians mobbed the couple, trying to get more information every day. At one point, they actually took uh, solace over at Pease Air Force Base because one of the lieutenants they had befriended wanted to get them out of the media circus and just give them a day without the chaos. And that was, uh, Betty recalls in one of her later interviews in Later Life, is one of the more peaceful days of that era uh, because of how relentlessly they had been hounded once this article hit. That is crazy. Yeah, it's a shitty thing to do. After the article went live in the papers, the Hills visited uh, visited family nearby to let them know what was going on and to get their positions on it. On their way home, they they reported that they saw a red-orange light bouncing directly in front of their vehicle about 200 yards back from the highway. It traveled over a nearby pond, across an adjacent field, and over the treetops, ascending and descending over the trees at different heights. Clearly remembering the event from four years ago, Barney braked the car and the craft stopped as well. It rocked back and forth then landed behind a nearby wooded area. The hills went to go investigate, but the craft had landed across a stretch of impassable swampland. They had no desire to risk approaching it in the dark, so they went back to their car and they began to wonder if the beings had abducted them were coming back because the story had become public. The response to the article was immense and there were 3,000 requests for reprints and, since requests for additional information were beginning to snowball, they decided to speak publicly about the incident for the very first time. On the 7th of November, 1965, they had an open forum at the Pierce Memorial Unitarian Universalist Church in the neighboring city of Dover. 400 seats were filled, with people standing in the hallways, the basement, and outside hoping to learn more about their alien tale. The Hills were introduced by Lieutenant Alan Brandt, the public information officer at Pease Air Force Base. The lieutenant was dressed in uniform and explained that the Air Force took UFO reports seriously and that all sightings should be reported. Betty and Barney Hill took the stage next, and they said they would, and in fact could, only speak to their conscious memory and nothing else. Barney explained that the publication of the article had happened without their cooperation or even consent. And they had hoped to maintain confidentiality about the whole experience. After they finished speaking, they opened up to the floor to questions and the session, which lasted more than an hour. One person actually asked Barry if he was happy to be there. And the response was, quote, my wife says to say I'm happy to be here. So I guess I'm happy to be here. Damn. End quote. Everyone ended up laughing. And we know in the end, uh, three years later, Barney would pass away. And for the next few decades, Benny would, Betty would go out trying to uh, research more about UFOs, doing more question and answers at conventions and stuff like that, and helping as much as she could um, in her political life as well. But that's the end of the Betty and Barney Hill aspect of the story. The last thing we want to talk about is, of course, a few of the theories as to what people believe it is, what you boys believe happened, if anything at all. And that will end the Betty and Barney Hill series here on Illuminati. So the first one, uh the one that's kind of predominant is the dream theory. As I stated earlier in this episode, Betty started having really bad nightmares when uh during the couple of years where they were trying to figure out what happened, and they would wake up Barney as well. She'd have him very vocal. One of the theories is that Barney uh, took her dreams over the course of months and it kind of sat into his subconscious. And that is what ended up filling those two hours during those hypnotherapies was he was pulling memories of what he remembered uh, Betty was having as part of the nightmare. The issue is that is that what he recollects and what she was dreaming don't line up. However, what he recollects and what Betty recollects under hypnosis does line up. So because the dream is off. The dream is not. It's like it's 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 very dreamlike. There's aspects of it that fit. Uh, their regression, and then there are aspects of it that just don't match whatsoever. However, their hypnotic regressions both line up pretty fucking close one to one. So uh, that's that's kind of the theory as far as that is concerned. The other theory is that uh, there, there there are a ton of people that, that stick to uh, the light in the sky theory, that it was simply just, if it wasn't something advertising something, it was a light being driven by a truck being brought somewhere to advertise something the next day. And that's what the light in the sky uh, ended up being. But how
1: does that like connect? Like, are, are is it is the idea that they like that both are true? That they like had a freak out on the side of the road, and then later were like, "It's your dreams."
0: Yeah. The the, the no. The, they're saying the freak out on the on the side of the road caused Betty's dreams, and then Betty's dreams were like reciprocated
1: uh, back into being. Biden. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Which doesn't. Again, I, I don't really think that makes any sense. Um the other there's another theory out there that uh and I I don't prescribe to this theory whatsoever it doesn't make much sense to me but there's a few out there who fully believe that there was a rape scenario that happened in the woods that Barney like raped his own wife um and people point to the physical evidence of the ripped zipper the ripped dress the scuffed shoes um however it's just listening to their hypnotherapy and and other evidence in the the way their relationship wires was prior and after I don't know. I mean, it, you can't say it's not, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to line up in terms of like when you listen to uh, both of their therapy sessions. Like who brought and, that up? And, like who? Uh, it's, it is. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you where the, it originated only that it is online. Uh, like you can go research, like read, read like, big takes, like opinion pieces. But it's not this based on happened. like something Betty said to someone. Uh, no, only, only uh, based on what they, they kind of take as like traumatic experiences and people turning them into something that it wasn't. They point to the science experiments being replacements for the physical assault that happened on, on them and, and whatnot. So Th- that um,
1: would be the worst possible outcome of this.
0: Yeah. Uh, agreed. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem like anybody in the family on that side seems to believe that that's what there that was a case either. And even after Barney died for decades, that Betty never brought that up as something that seemed to happen. Right. Uh, and then finally, there's a theory that maybe they ran, they ran into th- the last two theories, rather. Maybe they ran into, as we talked about briefly, maybe it was some sort of government thing. Maybe there was a secret government, uh, like testing plane that flew over and landed and they got all kinds of like freaked out and they, you know, were being essentially kidnapped by people and they just kind of warped it in their mind to be something else. The trauma response of the brain made it, so, it turned it into a scenario that was, way more wild and way more otherworldly, but it was easier for them to maybe process over the course of the years and months, that fo- the months and years that ended up following. Um, and the last one is they simply had a nervous breakdown. They might've saw a light in the sky, a satellite passing by. And what uh, I think Jesse kind of described the last episode is mass hysteria took place where maybe Betty thought it was one thing or maybe Barney w- thought it was one thing and they coaxed the other through their panic to believe that they too are seeing the same thing and that kind of, they feed each other and their wild imaginations kind of take over from there. Maybe traumatizing themselves in some, in some way. Regardless what theory you prescribe to, we don't have a definitive answer. We do know, though, that Barney did get sick. Like, things happened to them him physically, and there was physical yeah. evidence that something happened to them on that particular night. With the car weirdness that other people witnessed the pile of leaves that showed up in their house with a missing earring return, all that stuff. Um, It's weird. It's weird. But uh, much like alien stories kind of go, that's where we pull our hands from it and say, that's all we really have. I would suggest if you want way more details, please go read uh, Captured. Go read The Journey, um, like all the the books that we kind of talked about before. The Interrupted Journey or whatever it's called. Interrupted Journey uh, is (laughs) another, yeah.
2: I don't know that you can ever truly pull away though. Like this is this is a thing that it doesn't it makes sense Yeah, totally doesn't right like yep. uh, going through everything you described with you know, I wrote down a ton of notes like just going through everything you described with Betty and her scenario and what was going on like it makes for a great story but if you look at like I have so many questions like why did she recognize it as a hospital room from like or I guess maybe Barney did too but why do they recognize it a hospital room from like the 1960s. Why is that like of their immediate, like, oh yeah, it's an operating room? Like, does alien well, technology I, look like a
0: 1960s hospital room or? I, well, I imagine they described it like that because it was just clean and like clear of anything I, other than a I'm, light I'm overhead saying, and a table.
2: Our but, definitions of what a hospital room is are totally different from 1960s yeah. hospitals. Um, sure, um, agreed. Yeah. The When she talks about a large needle, mm-hmm. if you can travel intergalactic, why do you have large ass needles? Maybe it was like, like inter- one of those prop, you know, like uh I I mean like where it folds if you can travel if you can travel intergalactic, why do you have a roll out paper map with like <laughs> dots and shit? Like if, yeah. if 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 the one guy talked to her in a strange accent. Like you think there's
1: too many accents-
2: 60s features in the in this futuristic spaceship? <laughs> well, I, I, all I'm saying is I would more likely believe that in 20 years, if someone came out and said this was an MK ultra experiment, they found these people and literally tortured them. And one of them later died because of whatever drug they put in his ass. Sure. I would <laughs> believe that more than an alien. Like I would believe the U S gov- government did something to these people more than I would believe that an alien well, can- because like, even when you described the first thing I thought of when you're like, so later on, after this all came out, they're driving down the road and they see a light Yep. And then when they stop, the light stops. The first thing I think of is like, oh, it's a reflection in the car. One of the lights on the inside of the car is hitting the window. And when they stop, the car rocks back and forth. They see the light rock back and forth in the window. And then when they get out, it's like gone. And they're like, oh, it went down. So we're going to go look for it. Like, it makes perfect sense that way. Like, it just seems like, you know, going back to the thing I said last time, it's comforting you know, for Barney to hear, oh, I was abducted. I, all these things happened because at least he knows what happened. But I don't know. That's what happened. Like, I would say abduction definitely occurred. I would agree with that. I agree. But I don't know that it was aliens. I think it more likely is like any number of other insane things that could have happened well, to a couple wanna, on the back roads of America. Yeah,
0: but if you if, but if you want to take the the, the 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 fucking Mathis view mother Mike view of things, the one like, where aliens I'll, are real. I'll, Inst- well, he, yeah. but instead of assuming that these aliens are purely from like another planet in our realm of existence, what if what if there's a psychical element? What if they are from another dimension? That would help explain. They're from the another
2: dimension, least. and they can travel dimensions, and they still have paper maps.
0: Well, like I wonder. Like again, we don't know how it works, but it would also explain the weirdness of not understanding zippers, of like the teeth thing, which is fucking hilarious in my mind. Is that this fucking crazy? That stuff makes me
1: the most convinced to me this this one to me reminds me a lot of the one that i did a couple months ago the uh robert taylor with the like where it like grabbed his pants mm. and the police yeah, came very
0: similar vibes i like sure. i
1: like both of them because they both have like super weird details that like don't really mean anything they're just like weird things that would happen in that type of scenario like if 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 i was like telling you the time uh, like the one time i like i was in vegas and i randomly met putin like or some shit like that like <laughs> you know i don't know like i would be like he had this like weird thing with his pinky and like he fart. i think one of his guys farted like i don't you know like i would those are <laughs> the things that would stick out to me and i feel like i feel like because these guys obviously had better things to do in their lives they wanted to go like you know organize for civil rights and like speak for yeah that's what they their lives you were. know like i feel like they really weren't into it like in in it for the the fame about the alien stuff you know they did not really like capitalize off of it really themselves right the no. same thing with no, robert really taylor no. he was like i don't even talk about it i don't want anybody to talk to me about it i never want to talk
0: about it you know, but, it, it, yeah, that was Barney's whole vibe, man. He hated it. Like Betty was the only one that wanted to talk about it because she was just intensely curious as to what the hell happened. But Barney seriously like ruined him in so many ways. He truly hated the experience. And even when you read about him on the, like doing like occasional talks, he, he clearly didn't want to necessarily be there, but he was pulled into it with this article being written. He could no longer escape it. And then this kind of became his life until he passed.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a documentary about, uh, the golden state killer mm-hmm. uh and uh there's one of the guys who's like he survived the attack and it, he was he's just Ugh. obviously damaged and it has he has that same tone of voice that barney has in his like little hip hypnosis recordings of just like this sort of like you can't it's hard to fake that
0: you know what i mean like the broken scared as hell yeah like, it's hard terrified. to like just like
1: roll up and be like deliver a performance beyond any actor that I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, Especially
0: for a guy who's working for the USPS in the 60s. That's
1: what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, there, there's there's some trauma there for sure. And I, oh, yeah. I'm i not saying I believe that aliens have visited us in any specific way. Right. I, you know, I, I don't think there's been any definitive evidence, period, that aliens have ever been here. Like, for real, for real. Like, there's lately been some pretty crazy stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the mini-sode. But, like, you know, it's just like, I don't know if there are some true stories. I feel like the ones like Betty and Barney Hill and like Robert Taylor are the ones that I I'm willing to believe over other ones.
0: I I agree. And, you know, at the end of the day, I I kind of agree with Jesse, regardless of whether it was aliens or strangers in the woods or government. I truly believe these two people like were abducted by something. And,
2: (laughs) you know, it's, it's, you could easily say that strange accent Plus, like, not knowing. I mean, other countries do not use the word yellow. Like, <laughs> you know, yellow is Russians are like, what do you mean yellow? Is it like It's like simply or something like no no color no, that happy for us here. Like, <laughs> look, let's be real. Zippers can get stuck. All I'm saying is, like, all sure. these interesting facts do not necessarily prove that they didn't know how to do these things. <laughs> it just means that whoever she talked to, like, it could. What if it was like? I am big American man. It's no problem. What hey, is, veg- you what that, is vegetable? Yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the height of the Cold War. All I'm saying is. You never, know. Also, we did never you know, know.
1: also, did you know that uh, their granddaughter, Angela Hill, is like number 11 strawweight UFC yeah. women's? Yeah,
0: she's MMA fighter. Yeah,
2: and she's also like a gamer and cosplayer. Did you also know? Potential Russian spy. Just putting it out there. Putting it out <laughs> there.
0: Just putting out oh, the
2: well Russian spy. <laughs> oh shit. I
0: hope you, I hope you guys enjoyed the Betty and Barney Hill case again out there. Listeners, if you want more, the books give you so much more detail. This is just kind of the, the long and short of it with as much as I can get to you, but it, it's a fascinating read to just hear about everything that they went through over the years after the abduction and just kind of the hell that they went through. So if you want more, go check it out. It's a great read. Um, but thank you guys for letting me do another alien episode. It's been a while. So getting that out of my system was just It felt good. It felt real good. I love that. We will be, we will be back next week with a special guest, everybody. Oh man. Don't you worry. I can't wait for this. And also, and
1: also, uh, if you are listening to us right now and you're like, man, this is the end of the podcast already. Oh man. Guess what? You can get like 15, 20 minutes more right now by heading over to patreon.com slash pod and getting that mini sewed right now, right into your ear holes. It's true. We're about and to if you it. had
0: never signed up before, you've got like forty minutes minisodes. You can just binge while you're over there. It's a There's lot of content. It's more than you think. It is. Think. A lot. It, is it, it is. It's more than I think most of the time. I'm always surprised. It's
1: always like, I gotta dip into the minisodes again for an episode. I have to like move states, and I'm like,
0: we have so many. Do it, and I'm like, oh, we have like twenty backed yeah. up. <laughs> We're fine. Uh, we will be back next week with that special guest. Everybody be excited. I can't even, I don't even know what we're doing yet. He hasn't given, he hasn't told me. Is so he, we might, is he the one who's pulling the topic? He told me he was going to give me a topic and I was just going to do the research for <laughs> it and do it, but I, I, he hasn't given me anything yet. So if he doesn't give me anything in the next two days, I'm just going to make, pick, pick something really weird and just do something really weird with him on the show. Okay. So gauntlet no has, names being dropped. Y'all you'll be surprised. The gauntlet has week. been thrown. The gauntlet has been thrown. We will see you all next week. And if you're a Patreon, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside. And after a few moments, I hear my wife go, holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside. She's looking up at the sky. in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.